Happy Monday to you. The Y'all Show is back up and going. We've got the fire stoved up, ready and hot. And uh, we don't need to say that. It's it's still August. We've got the air conditioner rip-roaring. And we got it chilled down to make you very comfy here on this start to your week of the Y'all Show. John Rawl, thanking you for being a part of this all-Southern team and all-Southern show. All y'all is what we are, Team Y'all. And you can reach us here, 803-816-1170, any old time. Our Twitter account is at Y'all Show. And you can find us on Instagram as well, Y'all Show. Just look for us. It's very, very easy to find out all about y'all. And we are going to have a good time, not only today, but all week on the show. On the Tuesday edition, you'll find some good information coming from James C. Cobb. He is a noted Southern historian, Southern, uh, I guess you would call him an expert on the South for sure. And he's going to be our special guest on the Tuesday, y'all, and break down a recent article he had where he kind of saw in some research what's happening now politically in the South was easy to determine if you go back and look. And we'll talk to James Cobb about that. He is a retired professor from the University of Georgia and at one time was sort of the the czar of all Southern historians in the organization that represents history professors across the South. We'll talk to him about that and get his thoughts on all things Southern on the Tuesday, y'all. James C. Cobb, who's written several books. We'll talk about that on the Tuesday, y'all. We're also going to talk barbecue. Matt Hermans will be our guest on the Tuesday, y'all. Wednesday, we've got ACC talk. We've got country music talk on Wednesday. Thursday, we've got a very special announcement as Niles Reddick will be our guest co-host. Niles is a Georgia boy who is a Southern humorist and an author. And he's got some awesome books out there, including one called Drifting Too Far From the Shore and another one called Reading the Coffee Grounds. And we'll talk to Niles and have him sit here with us and describe his books and his humor And I think you'll enjoy our time with Niles on the Thursday, y'all. Plus, we'll talk a little South Carolina Gamecocks with Niles, as Niles and I will be visiting with Tyler Garrett of our sister show, the Carolina Crow Line. That's an all-Gamecock show that airs in South Carolina. And Tyler's going to join us and talk about USC getting ready for its opener against Coastal Carolina. And then they got a huge game against Niles' home state team, the Georgia Bulldogs, in Week 2 as UGA slumps on over to Columbia for a game against Cocky at Williams-Brice Stadium that second week of the season. And we'll get an update on that huge game in the SEC in week two, plus another uh, guy who we're going to kind of get his opinion on SEC football as Tyler Garrett, our guest on Thursday. And then, of course, Friday we wrap it up with a whole kinds of goodness on the Y'all program. Hope your weekend was great and had a you had a, a fun time with family and friends. And I'm going to kind of give you a little glimpse of my weekend. I don't normally like to bore you with my my details of my very unexciting life, but I actually did something a little different over the weekend, and I want to thank my friends Jeff and Donna, two people that I worked with 25 years ago in Nashville at the Nashville Network. Remember TNN, Ralph Emery, and all the good country music programming that came on TNN? The second largest cable TV network at the time. Only USA Network was larger than the Nashville Network. So many people watched it. It's such a great network. Unfortunately, some genius above the Mason-Dixon line decided to rename it Spike, and now some other genius has renamed it the Paramount Network. 
and it has nothing to do with country music. Well, and 25 years ago when I started working there near Opryland, it was a fun place to be and some great people that I worked with. And Jeff and Donna were two of those. And I had a chance to hang out with them this weekend. We'll talk about that here momentarily. And I'll tell you how I got to Nashville for this rendezvous of these two. One of which, Jeff, I had not actually seen in 15 years, sadly. Donna, I did get to hang out with. She and I worked together, not at the National Network. We worked in the parent company all together. But Donna and I worked at CMT, Country Music Television, together. She and I had the same job at CMT back in the early 90s when country music was kicking butt and taking names. And all three of us were joined by hundreds of other great and talented people that helped showcase country music around the world. And two of the things I'm most proud of, those jobs I had at TNN and CMT during my career and how big a deal country music was then and can and still should be. But for whatever reason, we just don't have that quite the same presence from a television network standpoint like we did then. You go tune in CMT now, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anything country music on there, even though they carry the moniker CMT. I don't understand it. I don't know how they get away with it, but they do. And I know there's other options for viewing television uh, and finding maybe on GAC or RFD, some music-related programs. But I think we had a great thing going back then, and somebody up in Connecticut or New York decided that, well, we just don't need this anymore. We're going we're gonna to have wrestling on here or whatever else they decided to put on TNN. It's been so long, sadly, I can't even remember what all happened. But here's how I ended up meeting these two over the weekend. We've heard of Facebook, right? Well, Donna and Jeff are going to be guilty of being pretty proactive on Facebook. God bless them. I am not as proactive as they are. But on Saturday, I was having a rather boring day. I was all by my lonesome and couldn't figure out what to do. And I knew I probably needed to do some work, but luckily Donna was also bored. And she put on Facebook, hey, John Schneider's playing tonight at the Nashville Palace. Anybody want to go? Now, if you don't know who John Schneider is, this is Bo Duke from the Dukes of Hazard show. This is a show I grew up watching as a kid and loved it. John Schneider also had a string of great country music songs. He was a great singer back in the 1980s. I don't know why he stopped singing as much as he did, but he did. Some of my favorite songs are John Schneider songs. And when I saw Donna's post about John Schneider playing music, which he doesn't do that often, I thought, well, I need to saddle up and head to Nashville and go to the Nashville Palace. But we ought to maybe have a little meal before that. So I don't live in Nashville. I don't live too far from Nashville. So I, I jumped in the in the old Tahoe and cranked up and went and met her. And Jeff agreed to come too. Jeff, who hasn't hardly done anything. I gave him a nickname, actually, because he's not been seen or heard by most people. He's very active on Facebook. Jeff, we love you. We're just picking on you here. But I gave him the name Brown Recluse because that is a good name for him. And he laughed when he heard that. But Jeff and I... We got together and had a great time Saturday night. And, and I'm telling you all this to help share. Isn't it great when you see old friends, even old co-workers in this case, but in this case, both friends and co-workers, and you get that just relive the great memories. And, and we were under no clock. In fact, we got together near the Nashville Palace where the John Schneider concert was going on. And we got together in plenty of time to have a meal and, and, head on over 
to this concert, we got into such great discussion that we totally missed the concert. We we stayed at the restaurant for about five hours talking, all three of us. We're all guilty. But we had a great time. I think we did. Now, Jeff and Don might say, that John Rawl, I don't care if he doesn't come around for another 15 years. But we had a wonderful time. And then Donna had to take off. And Jeff and I actually ended up going to a place called the Scoreboard near Opryland Hotel. And we had a great time listening to some Merle Haggard cover songs. And and we were doing this all completely sober. I have another issue going on right now that I'll tell you maybe before we get out of here today. I am under some medicine I'm taking for for that. And I was scared to take any kind of alcoholic drink. So I, I was totally getting liquored up on sweet tea and Coke. <laughs> and that's all. And so I was completely sober listening to all this good music and all this discussion. It was a good time. But before we left early on Sunday morning, we stayed till way too. We went to the Ernest Tubb Midnight Jamboree. I had never been to the Midnight Jamboree before. In all my years of working in Nashville, I never ventured out to that place at midnight. I guess if you work in the area, Saturday night, you can go to sleep. You don't go there. You're not a tourist. You live in Nashville, as I did for seven years. But I had never been to the Midnight Jamboree, the Ernest Tubb Midnight Jamboree, and got to see that for the first time. And and it was just really kind of a a step back in time to see how cool that aspect is. That radio show has been going on since the 1940s. And the guest there that night was Leona Williams, who at one time was married to Merle Haggard. And she's had her own singing career. She was there with her son, Ron, Ron Williams. But Leona Williams was a guest at the Ernest Tubb Midnight Jamboree. And it was really neat to see that. It's a theater that sits about 300 there, the Texas Troubadour Theater in Nashville. But that was my exciting time but before i got out of there jeff had some great wisdom that he shared with me and when i heard it i said jeff i need to get you to say that and let me record that so the y'all audience can learn from you the great sage of sumner county we want to know what you think and we want to share that knowledge here on the y'all program here is jeff my good friend my best friend in tennessee remember this general roll what people think of you is none of your business. Duly noted, sir. Thank you for that. And uh, that was, again, Jeff Brown. And I want to thank Donna Edmonds, both of those friends for 25 years now, having a wonderful time with them in Nashville and looking forward to getting together with them. And maybe we can bring in some of our other coworkers. I, I will say, if you grew up watching TNN like I did, and I know a lot of you did, the network may have died but the memory stays true. The memory continues. And I'll tell you, the most wonderful aspect of what I just said there is YouTube. You can find some great television shows that the Nashville Network produced, like the Nashville Now show with Ralph Emery and other celebrities that were on TNN and CMT back in the day. You can find those on YouTube. And it's such a great thing to see the old country singers from the 70s, 80s, and 90s all being featured on this network that had daily brand new original programming going on all over the universe and and so it was that's a, a huge aspect there to, to have that offered another neat thing is the people who worked at tnn like i did and, and cmt there's been a group going on for about a decade on facebook primarily but it's the refugees group of tnn and 
every month, people that work there, and this was at Opryland, if you ever got to go to the Opryland theme park or the Opryland Hotel, right there was where the National Network was broadcasting from. And these people like me who all worked there at one time are all part of this refugees group. And each month, these former employees of the Nashville Network and CMT gather for monthly meetings and have a meal together. And even though that network has essentially been dead for 20 years, those employees still take pride, as I do, in the work that Nashville Network and CMT did. And, and thankfully for YouTube and such, people, even the youngsters like my son, can see what old dad was a part of a long time ago when country music was country music. <laughs> that is my little weekend review and my pitch on country music and, and how cool we, we've we had a good time. And remember, when CMT and TNN were kicking butt and taking names, so was country music. And in the last 25 years, country music has paled in comparison to what it did when those two networks were together bringing country music and breaking artists and doing great things for all music. We were the tr trendsetter. Of course, a lot of that has to do with the artists. We had some awesome artists coming out in those days. Now, in Nashville, when I was there, unfortunately, the news is not all good in Nashville, not on a music front, but on a crime front. And when my mother calls me, as she did last night, who doesn't live in Tennessee and doesn't live anywhere close to Nashville, when she calls and says, what's going on in Nashville? And I don't even live in Nashville. But on the nightly news on NBC on Sunday night, the lead story was the crime spree going on in Music City as there's been some killings that they cannot put their finger on in Nashville. Uh, just the other night, this was the saddest of all, two people out celebrating the, the couple, the, they were out celebrating the man's 31st birthday, and he was gunned down and so was his girlfriend outside of a place in East Nashville on Gallatin Avenue. And the killers got away, and there's been other killings. So Nashville, as much as we love Nashville, if you're a music fan, has some real crime problems, as any major city does right now. But right now, there's some murderers getting away that haven't been caught yet, and Nashville Metro Police are looking for the suspects. You can look on their website and learn more about it. But unfortunately, what a great city, but... Like so many places, crime is rampant and growing, even in Nashville. In Oklahoma over the weekend, another musical act that's not country, but they're in the news as a Backstreet Boys concert on Saturday evening. You had a structure fall, and it collapsed, injuring 14 people in Oklahoma. This happened in Thackerville at the Windstar World Casino and Resort, and it the structure collapsed as a tent and crews had to come help those who were hurt. As far as I know, no one's seriously injured, but reminds you of that awful incident with Sugarland that happened in Indianapolis years ago where so many people were killed and injured there. But, yeah, the storms popped up there for the Backstreet Boys concert in Oklahoma and 14 injured after the structure collapsed, the stage structure at this concert. In Arkansas, they have a monument to the Ten Commandments on their state house grounds. And this past weekend, a satanic temple protested the Ten Commandments monument in Arkansas with its own statue, a satanic-type statue that was put on the grounds temporarily in Little Rock. It was an eight-and-a-half-foot-tall statue depicting the winged half-goat, half-man, with two children at its side. And it was put up 
at the end of last week to be a symbol of free speech and plurality of belief, according to organizers, as they told that to NPR. And that is on the Statehouse grounds in Arkansas, where this satanic statue put up to protest the Ten Commandments statue. I was driving in some town the other day, and I just happened to see a Ten Commandments statue. It was not on public grounds. It was in the it was a nice statue done in front of a Baptist church. And again, private property, you can do whatever you want. I don't know the legality of this Ten Commandments statue in Arkansas. I love the Ten Commandments. I think it's wonderful. But I, I, I have to believe as a person that lives in America where we value everybody's beliefs, those who even don't have a belief, that those people may have may have a, a legal challenge if they wanted, if they're doing that. And I'm sure they are. I'm sure the ACLU is helping them out in their fight to remove that Ten Commandments statue. You know, Roy Moore in Alabama got in all kind of trouble for putting that up in Montgomery. And, and that's one of the ways Roy Moore got in the news originally and got kicked out of the Alabama Supreme Court for his stand for the Ten Commandments statue. Bad story coming from Florida. An 88-year-old Floridian burned a raccoon alive after the raccoon overate mangoes, police say. Ezra James, who lived in Palm Bay, Florida, said he threw gasoline on the raccoon and lit it afire. And he was afraid that the raccoon, besides eating mangoes, might give him rabies. A neighbor called 911, and he ended up being charged for this animal cruelty he was released on a two thousand dollar bail now this is a bad story what's somewhat newsworthy of course is this is an 88 year old man that did this setting a raccoon on fire in florida yeah to the nation's capital we go and this story broke sunday darren Beatty, who was a visiting instructor at duke university before he joined the white house speechwriting team he was fired at the end of last week after a media inquiry about his appearance at the 2016 H.L. Mencken Club conference where Beatty spoke on a panel alongside a white supremacist. And because of this, the White House has fired him after they did an inquiry into his appearance alongside white nationalists at this meeting. So this former instructor at Duke losing his job with the White House because of a bad decision there he made a few years ago. In Houston, a man's bad decision to blow up a Confederate statue in the city of Houston is going to get him more than six years of prison time for attempting to blow up the statue. This 26-year-old man, Andrew Schneck, has been charged with attempting to maliciously damage property receiving federal financial assistance, according to federal court documents. He's already pled guilty. He did that in March, and now he was sentenced to six and a half years in prison after he tried to blow up the Dick Doling Confederate Monument in Houston, Texas. Doling had been hailed as a Confederate war hero in Houston, serving in the Jefferson Davis Guard. So if you're not familiar with him, that's how the name Dick Doling comes about. And there's a statue in Houston, and this man tried to blow it up, which could end up injuring and possibly killing random innocent people. And because of this bomb plot, he is going to go to jail for more than six years in the state of Texas. A Florida woman's in our bad, bad, bad Southerners category as she is alleged to have stolen a donation jar for a slain Florida girl's family. This happened in Jacksonville, Florida. The sheriff's office there said the jar contained about $600 and was taken from a restaurant near the site where Heidi 
Bravis Vinovella was killed on August 11th. And the woman who stole this allegedly was Tammy Cruz there in Jacksonville, Florida. And Villa Vueva was seven years old when she was slain in gun crossfire. And this woman took this jar with about $600 in it in Jacksonville. The local newspaper in Jacksonville reports that nearly $16,000 has been contributed to a GoFundMe page set up for Heidi's family. Again, a seven-year-old killed in a gun crossfire, and they had a, a jug there, I guess, at a restaurant to raise money for her family. And this, this allegedly low-life woman took the money. Tammy Cruz took that money. To the beauty pageant world we go, and have you been following what's going on with the Miss America organization? They've had so many problems the last year, too. Mind that they also have self-destructed by taking away the bathing suit competition within the Miss America pageant in the last year. Well, the leader of the Miss America organization is Gretchen Carlson, a former Miss America herself and a Fox News commentator at one time, and she's now leading the board of the Miss America pageant, and they're now in a latest chapter in the saga soap opera going on with this organization is that the current holder of the Miss America title, Kara Mund, one time had a letter sent out that she said was a rebuke and that since she's been silenced, reduced, and marginalized by the pageant's leadership, several former Miss Americas are coming out against the pageant leadership, including Alabama native Heather Whitestone McCallum launching a petition calling for the removal of Carlson and others. And I think over 16,000 signatures have been accrued in this drive. So it's getting it's getting crazy in the Miss America pageant. And it has been going on for a while, actually. In Georgia, over the weekend, a fire destroyed a coffee shop, injuring three. This happened in Homerville, which has got about 2,500 people living in it. And this coffee shop exploded. And as we said, a couple people injured so it brings, uh, it looks like a gas leak might have been the guilty party for what caused this, according to Georgia Insurance and Safety Fire Commissioner Ralph Hudgens. But in Homerville, coffee gone bad as this coffee shop exploded and a couple people injured. Don't know the extent of the injuries, but we wish everybody the speedy recovery. Homerville is roughly 30 miles from the Georgia-Florida line. Not the country band, but the real Georgia-Florida band is where Homerville is located in what they call South Georgia. Now we got a couple of stories coming from the volunteer state we want to share with you. In Tennessee, a megachurch around Nashville is getting fire from PETA for using wild animals in a sermon. Yes, the Cornerstone Nashville Church used a cougar, lion, a mountain lion, a ram, and miniature ponies in a sermon that focused on going back to school. I don't know what Pastor Galen Davis was up to, as he compared a lion and a mountain lion to each other and used them to demonstrate the differences between fear and faith. That would be a rather unusual church service that day at the Cornerstone National Church. But yeah, bringing live animals, some of which are rather scary, to this mega church in Middle Tennessee. Now to West Tennessee and to Memphis, and congratulations to the Peabody Hotel. The Peabody in downtown Memphis has been named the best historic hotel in America in USA Today's 10 Best Reader's Choice Award for Best Historic Hotel. It's the only Tennessee hotel to be nominated, and it beat out 20 other hotels from across the country. The Peabody finished in the top three the previous two years, 
and a great feat for Peabody, which can you name what Peabody is probably best known for? If you've been there, anyone, anyone? Quack, quack, quack. Peabody has the ducks that swim and come down off the elevator and it's really just a neat thing to see and a great hotel in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. Now, the final story from our trio of stories coming from the Volunteer State. This has happened in the very northwest corner of Tennessee on Sunday morning as a 2.1 earthquake, 2.1 Richter scale earthquake, shook things up in northwest Tennessee. This happened in Lake County, and the depth of the quake occurred at a depth of 2 kilometers. Not reporting any injuries, any damage at this point, but yeah, this history, the earthquakes have a history of being in this corner of Tennessee and just across the Mississippi River over in Missouri. Remember the New Madrid earthquake of 1803, four, somewhere in that time period? Maybe one of the worst earthquakes in American history? Well, that happened right up the Mississippi River from where this one happened on Sunday. So researchers are going to keep an eye on northwest Tennessee and the Boot Hill of Missouri and western Kentucky, too, as that is a earthquake-prone area, and the big one we hope never hits. But scientists say that is an area that we could see a major earthquake happen. And when that New Madrid earthquake happened 200-plus years ago, that's when the Mississippi River actually flowed north, and it changed the places where the Mississippi River it was located. If you go look at a map, it's why some of these states have area on other sides of the Mississippi River today because at one time that's where the river really was. Very unusual. But that, that of course, coming from northwest Tennessee with that earthquake. Now, there was another earthquake over the weekend, a very small earthquake. This one happened in Virginia, in Loudoun County, Virginia, as a small quake. 1.7 magnitude earthquake hit the Ashburn area of Loudoun County in Virginia. So I don't know what is going on in the atmosphere or what's going on down, down below us, but we've had two earthquakes in the south over the weekend, and this is an area we just don't have earthquakes. Thank goodness. California can have all those earthquakes. The south, we've got hurricanes, we've got tornadoes. We don't need earthquakes, but we had two small ones. We'll take the small ones, just we don't want the big ones. We don't want the tsunamis either. <laughs> Now, our final story in our headlines across Dixie, and this is from South Carolina, as a couple of burglars broke into a Spartanburg apartment. And what did they take? Well, we're not sure what they took, but this brother and sister came into their place to find a, someone had broken into their apartment. And the only thing they can determine is that the vandals smoked marijuana and ate a few hot dogs. I guess they had the munchies and they had to break in and steal somebody's hot dogs. And I don't think they took anything else, but that happened in Spartanburg. Hot dogs in Spartanburg in the Sparkle City. And that's what weed will do to you. That's why we never need to make weed legal. There's my message for all y'all. <laughs> it, it makes dumb people be even dumber. And if you're smart, then it makes you dumb. So no weed. No weed and drink only when, when you're supposed to. That's my advice. And try to not drink at all if you can. But if you have to drink, do it responsibly. I think that's the advertising message. That's a look at headlines. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to switch over and we're going to have a little hashtag hullabaloo 
Plus, we've got a fun segment at the end of this hour about movies in the South. Georgia just released some impressive numbers on the impact of the film industry in Georgia. Plus, we've got a little sample of Louisiana touting its film industry. That's ahead on The Y'all Show. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. (sighs) Moving expenses. There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. Talk now. It won't change anything, anyhow. Just hold me while the shadows bring us near. I know you're not in love with me. I'm not asking you to be. And there. Back into the Y'all Show with your host, John Rawl. And on the Y'all Show, we mix in information about our region. We have fun with our region. We tell you about food. We tell you about music. We tell you about books. But we also, when we can, tell you about the film industry. Movies that are being filmed in the South. Movies that have something to do with the South. Perhaps movies that feature Southern actors. Hey, how about Ken Jong? we got to give him big props as this North Carolina native... His film this past weekend, I don't have the exact number, but it was a big success. Rich Crazy Asians, I think is the name of it. I think it pulled in about $40-$50 million at the box office. Ken Jeong, big part of that funny movie out that I need to go see. But yeah, that's just an example of a Southerner doing well in the box office. But we love our movies that are filmed in the South because usually they have a Southern theme somehow. And they make people money that aren't even starring in the movie, the people that do craft services, the hotels and such. And we're going we're gonna to do our, our Y'all Street business report today, a little salute to the film industry of the South. And Georgia is maybe ground zero for most Southern movies and TV shows right now. And officials in the Peach State say that in the past year, it was the busiest year ever for movies and TV film in the state of Georgia. The governor of Georgia, Nathan Bill, said in a news release that Georgia hosted 455 movie and TV productions in the 2018 fiscal year that ended June 30th. Projects filmed in the state of Georgia in the past year included Mark Wahlberg's action movie Mile 22, which is in theaters right now, and a live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. Both of those are in theaters now. Upcoming seasons 
on Netflix of Ozark and AMC's The Walking Dead were also shot in Georgia. Officials in Georgia say film productions brought $2.7 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars in direct spending in fiscal 2018, and that is compared to $93 million the film industry spent in 2007, the year before Georgia lawmakers in Atlanta passed a series of financial incentives aimed at luring Hollywood production. So big business in Georgia in terms of filming movies, and we see two right now in the theaters filmed in the Peach State, Mile 22 and The Little Mermaid. And you can't help that when you see these movies, oftentimes there will be something that's a dead giveaway that, hey, that looks like a pine tree that looks like could be in my yard. Well, they don't have those kind of pine trees in Canada where a lot of stuff's filmed. And they don't have those kind of magnolia trees out in California. So you often see the pine straw and the pines and the rolling hills, dead giveaway that it's southern filmed, oftentimes in Georgia. But Louisiana wants to do its part to keep movies coming to the Pelican State. And here on the Y'all Show, we found this clip that we're going to share with you on the program from the Louisiana Film Commission touting filming in Louisiana and the impact there. We're going to hear voices now from owners of business all across Louisiana. And this is just a propaganda piece, but that's okay. That's what we do here on the Y'all Show. We prop up our southern states. And Louisiana wants to compete with Georgia and any other southern state for movie projects, TV projects, documentaries and such. And here is a little video that we're going to take the audio from. You can find this video if you go to the Louisiana Film Commission site on YouTube and such. And here are these individuals promoting filming in Louisiana. The film industry is unlike any other. When they come here, they can really increase your sales in a short amount of time. I can't say that for any other business. I was probably doing around $30,000 a month in sales. It jumped up to around $80,000 when I got into the film industry. In 2012, the film industry was producing about 40 to 50% of our income here. At its peak, the film industry brought in 25% of our yearly revenue. The restaurants benefit, the shops benefit, the gas station, the grocery store, all those people benefit. They go to the cleaners, the laundromat, whatever services that they need while they're here. One little movie might have 200 people over here. These people got to eat. I had to hire more waitresses and I had to hire more cooking staff. I'd say they give me 20% more business, just the movie industry. The film industry will bring anywhere from 60 to 80,000 per movie just on drapery and furniture. They don't come in and buy $100 worth of things. You know, they'll come in and buy thousands and thousands of dollars. It just means you don't stop. It just means, you know, every day everyone's working, you know, open to close. It really keeps things humming. Over 90 years of business, 2013 was probably our best year. Movies accounted for about 25% of our sales that year. I think it was $1.46 million just in movie sales. I need tourists, and film industry sends me tourists. When the year one was here, we were sending two tractor-trailer loads of building materials a day to that set for probably two months. They spent probably three to four million dollars with us just on building materials alone. When they filmed here, every business on our main street benefited dramatically. My business increased 65%. It's not something that we can just say, oh, it was just an extra income, it's okay if it's not there. No, this is a big deal.
In the last year, monthly, we've probably dropped 45%. It just clicked off like a light switch. Last year, we probably did three to 400,000 with the film industry. This year, I'd say less than 100,000. When we really noticed it was when uh, Disney pulled Pirates of the Caribbean. It was going to be about $600,000. That's like selling 50 houses worth of material. Uh, and, you know, just one company in three months, which, which, you know, doesn't happen in the home building sector. Losing 30 to 40% of a sector of business is a huge hit. It's not a bonus or a little bit of gravy. It's a decade's worth of business that just went away. It's a domino effect. Yeah. It's everybody. A donut shop, a gas station, a grocery store. And this year, uh, we don't have any jobs. All of our trucks are sitting out back. You have to start thinking, should I you know, leave town and go to Atlanta like everybody else? It's, it's a big loss because it's very hard to, to regenerate that kind of money. You've taken away a good paying customer and replaced it with nothing. It impacts us business-wise, it impacts our personnel, it impacts our family, it impacts every vendor that I buy something from. All of the industries that grew with film are likely now going to shrink. Why is it that you would take an industry out of our economy when it's creating jobs, when it's creating business? Not a lot of industries that can fill that void, that can just come in and bring all this work overnight like the film industry can. It's less tax revenue, it's less money going to employees, less money going to purchases. I think the key factor to remember is that it's a trickle effect. I mean, it, it really benefits the whole state. I just want the legislators to know that the movie business is uh, it's a difference maker. It changes everything. And that a clip from the Louisiana Film Commission promoting filming in the Pelican State. And at least if you go in the Pelican State, they give you a lot of variety of film choices from a big city like New Orleans to the swamps. You can go to North Louisiana and bring in the rolling hills and such. Don't have any mountain ranges in Louisiana that I'm aware of, at least. But it is a fun place, and I know actors love to go there. And I think we saw Brad Pitt ended up having a home in Louisiana because of his experience filming in Louisiana. And other actors have done the exact same thing. Of course, they got a TV show, CSI New Orleans, that films every year, every week, I guess, is when they are in production. But a, another great southern state that is approaching and, and getting film and TV shows to come to their southern state. We wish all southern states the best on approaching and, and, and attracting films to their state. We want every film, if we can, to be filmed in the south because the south rocks. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to rock it with our hashtag hullabaloo. We got some good stuff that's going to make you laugh. We promise you. That's ahead on the Y'all Show with John Rawls. Ah, the sounds of summer. And this is the sound of summer skin being scratched because of the itching and irritation of what the season can bring. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. Cortisone 10 makes summer sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Hi, I'm Jessica Alba, entrepreneur and mom. When it comes to helping students succeed, I'm all in. And so is Staples. That's why I'm teaming up with Staples for Students and DonorsChoose.org, the charity that helps teachers bring learning to life. 
Join us by donating in store or online at staplesforstudents.com. Your donation will help local teachers make a difference for their students because every kid deserves a great start this school year. Diggity dog, it's hullabaloo time on the Y'all Show with your host, John Raw. Yes, welcome back to this all-Southern show, Y'all Talk with a Southern accent. And we like to have fun as we go through our social media accounts on the Y'all program and find interaction between you, our listeners. And if you want to email us, we should tell you that our email address here on the Y'all Show is yallshow at y'all.com. I don't think I should have to spell that out for you, but just in case, Y-A-L-L-S-H-O-W at Y-A-L-L dot com. Y'all show at y'all dot com. Email us, suggestions, comments, complaints, praise. We'll take it all, (laughs) y'all, here on the Y'all Show. And we go to our Twitter account, at Y'all Show, to find some good stuff on the Twitter sphere. And Denise Weimer is on Twitter. She describes herself at Denise underscore Weimer as a Christian author of the Restoration Trilogy, the Georgia Gold Series, and a backcountry brides novella. And she is a fan of historic houses, coffee, and chocolate. Well, thank you, Denise, for sharing that. But here, specifically, she's promoting the Georgia Gold Series. And she says, pass the dog days of summer with some Southern historical fiction hashtag romance. So if you find... Denise's Georgia Gold Series, you'll maybe get the perfect way to pass the dog days of summer with a good read, a romantic read. That is exactly what I need to do. I have been wasting my time reading about history, reading about sports, reading the news. I need a good romance novel. And perhaps the Georgia Gold Series is my ticket to success. Because Lord knows, I need to know... I could use a lot of knowledge about romance because I don't know. I don't have my A game on that front. And I bet you a lot of you don't either. Maybe some of you do. And if you do, maybe you can follow Denise's lead and take your great insight on romance and put it on paper and make a lot of money. Be a romance novelist. Perhaps that's your goal in life. But Denise, thank you for that good information. S3 Restaurant is a restaurant in Fort Lauderdale Beach, Florida. At S3 Sun Surf Sand is the Twitter account. The ultimate wave and oceanfront dining. S3, where fun, surf, and sand uniquely fuse with steak, seafood, and sushi, serving an eclectic mix of fresh coastal cuisine. So I got to remember all these S3s we're talking about. You got Sun Surf Sand, and then you combine that with steak, seafood, and sushi. That's a great combination. I don't care for sushi, but most of you probably love sushi. And when in Fort Lauderdale Beach, go check out S3 Restaurant. Well, they have a great picture that they tweeted out on their Twitter account over the weekend. It's brunch time, and they got chicken and waffles there. And, God, it's so scrumptious. I can't have Stan talking about it because... You know, this chicken and waffles phenomenon is really gaining more and more speed. And I'm going to give Snoop Dogg a lot of credit. I had never heard of chicken and waffles until 
I don't know how I found Snoop Dogg on TV about a decade ago, but he went into some place in Los Angeles, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, and had chicken and waffles. And I'm like, well, I like fried chicken, and I like waffles. Now, that's smart. That's a good idea. I've never thought about having chicken and waffles together. Well, chicken and waffles is a, something that's getting more and more attention. Maybe McDonald's, if you're listening, you should learn to listen. Maybe Waffle House, if you're listening. I don't think Waffle House has chicken and waffles. I don't think Huddle House has chicken and waffles. But that's a good idea. And if if you're in a pinch for chicken and waffles and you're in South Florida, if you're hanging out around Miami, maybe going down for a Hurricanes or Dolphins game here pretty soon, check out S3 Restaurant. Your home for chicken and waffles, it looks like, on South Beach or around South Beach. Jenny Rom on Twitter at God's Georgia Peach. God's GA Peach. That's a great Twitter handle, Jenny. Newfound love of running, newer love of yoga, and I love Jesus. And I do too, Jenny. Thank you for that declaration on Twitter. And she's a Georgia Peach. And she loves Jesus and she loves running and she loves yoga. So she's got her she's got her priorities in line. We'll give Jenny a good thumbs up on that. But Jenny put a picture out on Twitter this week of a sunset. And she's got these photos on her Twitter page. Southern sunset. I didn't think there would be much of a show because the clouds were so thick. Silly me. And sure enough, there are plenty of clouds in this picture of her sunset images, but it's pretty. And Jenny, I don't know where, if you live in Georgia now, where you are in North Georgia or perhaps South Georgia or no telling Central Georgia even, but you did a good job capturing that. I don't see mountains in the background, so I'm going to guess you're not in North Georgia. But I've been around some North Georgia sunsets. Fantastic. Of course, you go down to Tybee, you go down to Brunswick, and you get those sunsets on the beach. Fantastic. But no matter where you are in the South, Georgia or anywhere else in the South, you will find awesome sunsets. I know Arizona wants to say that they're the home of sunsets in America, but we got some good ones in the South. And thank you, Jenny, for bringing that to our attention with your great photos. Finally, Melissa Sperka on Twitter, at Melissa underscore M-S-S-K. She bills herself as a cookbook author, blogger, and a content creator. And she is in her southern kitchen with homemade family-style meals, and they're always on the menu. So I've got to check out what she has to say. And I'm definitely checking it out because she's got an incredible photo at Melissa underscore MSSK that she's got with her Twitter account. And Melissa's photo is scrumptious looking. And she calls this a Southern classic. This lemon sour cream pound cake can be served on its own or a variety of ways. Enjoy a slice with your afternoon tea. And... I I don't remember having lemon sour cream pound cake. I've had pound cake, and I love pound cake, but I often need something to go with it, whether it be strawberries or just something to, to, to unless it's just so incredible it's all good and dandy by itself, I, I need a little extra oomph, and I bet you most of you have that same philosophy. But she's got lemon sour cream pound cake, and the picture is stunning, and the results, I bet, are stunning if you have a chance to pop it in your mouth and digest it. Again, on Twitter, at Melissa underscore M-S-S-K. Her name's Melissa Sperka, and she can make a mean lemon sour cream pound cake. 
And Melissa, here's my address. P.O. Box. Uh, you don't have to send me a lemon sour cream pound cake. But if you want to, I'll take it. And I'm, well, we'll share. We'll share it here on the Y'all Show. We love our cakes and we love our southern goodness. Well, that'll put a wrap on hour one of this Monday. Y'all hope you enjoyed our hashtag blue for today. When we come back in hour two, we're going to dig into the sports headlines from over the weekend. Did Brant Snedeker hold on in Greensboro win this weekend's PGA tournament? We'll tell you about that. A former Memphis Tiger quarterback getting booed in Denver. What is up with that? Plus, before we get out of here for the show today, we're going to have Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Taco Polo, with his short stories. That's ahead on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. We'd love to have you back in hour two. Whether you brew the craftiest beer or offer the sharpest haircuts in town, we've got the right business cards to promote what makes your business great at Vistaprint. And right now, we're offering 500 custom cards starting at just $9.99. You can choose everything about your card, the shape, the paper, and you can design it yourself or ask for a little help from our support team. So get the most bang for your and head to Vistaprint.com to get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 7373 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7373. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I've never felt more alive. Disclaimer, GEICO cannot guarantee you will feel more alive. You either possess functioning respiratory and circulatory systems, or you do not, or you are a zombie. If you are indeed a brain-starved zombie and you would like to save money on car insurance, the GEICO legal team applauds your excellent life choices, even in your shambling afterlife. But we strongly encourage you to visit GEICO.com or download the GEICO app. Please stay a minimum of 500 feet away from our large and presumably delicious, delicious brains. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. How y'all doing? Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. Your host, John Rawl, thanking you for being a part of our action-packed Monday program. If you want to reach out to us on the program, our number is 803-816-1170 on Twitter, at Y'all Show, and on Instagram, the Y'all Show. You can find us in all kinds of places. We appreciate you taking a little time out to get your Southern fix here on the Y'all Show. Scattered, smothered, and covered Southern talk. That's what we do each and every Monday through Friday on the Y'all Program. We got Jerry Short coming up in just a few with his short stories, the teller of tales from Takapola Way. And he's got some goodies that he wants to share with you on today's Y'all Show. You don't want to miss our our old storyteller on the Y'all Program, Jerry Short. That's coming up. But on the program right now, we dive into the headlines from the weekend of sports. What happened and what is happening in all of sports. And this was a strange story coming from the Mountain State as the University of West Virginia ended up over the weekend postponing its annual Fan Appreciation Day because there's a case of hand, foot, and mouth disease, several cases, in fact, going on in the West Virginia football program. This is an infection common in children but can spread to adults, usually lasting for several days. It's mild, yet it's highly contagious, and it's a viral infection that leads to sores in the mouth and rashes on the hands and feet, and hand, foot, and mouth disease, causing Mountaineer fans to miss out on an opportunity to shake a hand and get a picture with Dana Holgerson's West Virginia Mountaineers of the Big 12 Conference. Some say that WVU has a chance to compete with 
for the title of the Big 12 this year with Oklahoma. And I don't know where that game between the Sooners and Mountaineers is this year, but West Virginia, not not the kind of start thus far to the season when you have to cancel media day, or not media day, fan day, that may be a, a harder thing to try to get past <laughs> to the to the diehards that maybe had to go way out of their way to get to West Virginia for little Johnny or little Janie to get their picture with a you – know, they got a great quarterback in Morgantown this year, and they – aren't going to be able to have that close-up photo like they were looking for because of hand, foot, and mouth disease. And in the northeastern corner of the South, we stay where at the University of Maryland on Friday it was announced the University System of Maryland Board of Regents unanimously voted to assume authority and control over all aspects of the investigation into the June 13th death of Terrapin's offensive lineman Jordan McNair. The situation in College Park continues to be an ugly, ugly scene, and we've seen the head coach suspended and the Board of Regents now looking into all of the aspects of this bad situation from the Big Ten's Maryland Terps. We'll keep our focus on what happens with them and wish everybody the best. But again, sad news when the player died several months ago, Jordan McNair, and now investigations going on to find out what's going on. And we're two weeks away from the start of college football, and the Terps start their season next Saturday at Landover, Maryland's FedEx Field with a huge game against the Texas Longhorns. So we're less than two weeks away from the season and so much controversy going on with the Terps football program. To the Athens, Georgia area we go, and the University of Georgia says they are concerned that running back Zamir White will miss the entire season after he tore an ACL in his left knee while covering a punt in a scrimmage at Sanford Stadium on Saturday, they'll think he may miss the entire season. Coach Kirby Smart confirmed that White was injured on a non-contact play during the scrimmage and was having MRI on his left knee over the weekend. No results yet on this player that came to Georgia from Laurenburg, North Carolina. White was the number one running back in the country and number 15 player overall in the 2018 ESPN 300, but tore his ACL on his right knee back in November when he was still in high school Another injury report coming from Tuscaloosa as Crimson Tide outside linebacker Christopher Allen is probably done for the year with a knee injury. He's probably out, according to officials within the Alabama Crimson program. It happened during a scrimmage on Saturday. It is the second major injury to the position after Terrell Lewis, a projected starter for Nick Saban's team, tore his ACL back in July. Again, outside linebacker Christopher Allen for the Alabama Crimson Tide is probably done for the year after appears to be a knee injury. Now the news, not an injury-related problem going on in Baton Rouge, but Ed Orgeron is now suspending his reserve receiver Drake Davis after Davis was arrested on a second-degree battery charge Friday night, and he's now been suspended indefinitely by the Louisiana State University football program. Davis, as a junior, is alleged to have committed battery on a woman he was dating on four occasions between May 2017 and this past June, according to an arrest warrant issued Friday by LSU police. The woman told police Davis punched her hard enough to fracture one of her ribs in one instance, began to strangle her in another, and later texted that he might kill her. The warrant says police obtained the text and photos of bruising. Not good news within the LSU program and if my memory adds up correctly, they've had several players that are indefinitely suspended in the Bayou Bengal football program heading into the start of the season. 
Not good news for Tiger fans. Well, former Memphis Tiger quarterback Paxton Lynch, he's been with the Denver Broncos, even got to start a game or two in his short time in Denver. Well, he was in a preseason game over the weekend, and Denver Broncos fans began to boo quarterback Paxton Lynch because they're not happy with his performance in a game against the Chicago Bears. Late in the third quarter, the boos started coming from the home crowd, and the coach of the Broncos, Vance Joseph, said he felt bad for Paxton, but our fans want to win, and they booed. Now, one of the things that happened in the last week or so for the Broncos is reserve quarterback Chad Kelly, who played at Ole Miss, also was a football player at Clemson before transferring to Ole Miss. He emerged very strongly in the Broncos' first preseason game of the year and has since been elevated to the number two position behind starter Case Keenum. So you got Case Keenum for the Denver Broncos, then Chad Kelly and Paxton Lynch, former Memphis Tiger quarterback in third position, and the fans in the Mile High City not happy with Lynch, and they let him know it. And guess what? You don't boo your own player even in the preseason, and I'm glad that Denver lost <laughs> the preseason game that they had to the Chicago Bears 24-23 to Saturday. Good job, Bears, by getting the win. Other preseason action over the weekend, I could tell you that the Tennessee Titans were walloped by the Tampa Bay Bucks, and the Carolina Panthers were able to knock off the Miami Dolphins. And I didn't see other ones. You know, many of these games happened Thursday of last week, but that's a brief look at NFL preseason. Again, the NFL guys will have another two preseason games before they'll take off for a few days and get ready for their season to start just after Labor Day. Congratulations to former Vanderbilt golfer Brant Snedeker. He won the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro by three strokes on Sunday. If you'll remember back to Thursday of last week, Snedeker fired an opening round 11 under 59 and just made kind of history in this tournament in Greensboro with such a strong performance. He was able to hold on in what he called maybe the most stressful golf tournament he's ever been a part of, and he got the three-stroke victory. Uh, breaking a a string of losses. He's not won on the PGA Tour in two years, the national native, and excited about his chance to take the big trophy home and a big paycheck. Now, this tournament in Greensboro, the Wyndham Championship, was the so-called final tournament before the playoffs start. Playoffs start this coming week in the Northern Trust Tournament in New Jersey. 125 players, the top 125 in all of the professional ranks, qualify for this. And there had to be some jockeying of positions at the Wyndham Championship to determine who would go. And after the results have been tallied, one of the fan favorites, the 2017 Masters champ Sergio Garcia, is going to miss the playoffs for the first time in his career after he ended up 131 on the points list. Not good for the Masters champ to miss out on the playoffs. But because he missed out, some other players had a chance including former UGA golfer Harris English. He made it into the playoffs for the first time, I think, and he's joined by Nick Taylor, who played their win, played their way in, and they're going to have a chance to possibly win the PGA Tour Championship, I think it's what it's called, when they have that in Atlanta in late September. And that's where you can win $10 million if you win the PGA postseason bracket championship whatever it's called it gets a little confusing since there's a tournament on the tour called the pga championship but the pga tour championship is the 10 million 
big Burger King basket prize that everybody wants to win. And Brian Snedeker is going to find his way in the postseason in golf, and he got him a nice roughly million-dollar paycheck for winning at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro over the weekend in his win at the Wyndham Championship. Congrats to Brent. Now, as we go to break, I've got to just throw out one thing sports-related that I'm, I've got to defend my Southern kids out there who play Little League Baseball, but they're not in the Little League of Little League Baseball. Kids that play in the leagues like Dixie Youth Baseball and Dizzy Dean, that's in a large part of the South, those kids unless things have changed that I'm not aware of, those kids never have a chance to go to Williamsport, Pennsylvania and play for the Little League Championship. The best you can do is win your league championship, wherever that is, not go to Williamsport. And I don't have the numbers, but I'm pretty sure most Southern kids that play baseball are not in the so-called Little League. So most Southern kids that play baseball when they're 10, 12 years old will never make it to ESPN. Now, there are some little league teams in the South, and that's the teams we see on TV, but I'm I'm pretty sure most Southern kids do not have a chance to ever go to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and they just had a big game Sunday between the Mets and the Phillies at Williamsport to celebrate Little League Baseball. I don't like that deal, and I don't like how ESPN glorifies that tournament for two weeks. I know it's cute to see kids playing baseball. Hey, but our Southern kids, most of them – will not ever have a chance to go there. So why do I want to watch it? Why do I want to glorify kids who aren't as good as our kids? I think Southern baseball kids are better than Western baseball kids and Northern baseball kids. And I don't watch it. Maybe I'm just a curmudgeon, but that's how I feel. And until they embrace and allow a way for Dixie Youth or, as we said, Dizzy Dean and the others, there's maybe more than other leagues out there that I don't even know the name of, that have a history of being in the South more than Little League has been in the South until it's a, a chance for every kid to make it to Williamstown to the Little League World Series, I, I don't pay that thing much attention. It's not the real championship. Real championship happens south of Mason-Dixon somewhere. Okay, enough of my baseball pet peeve, but congrats to all kids who won the Dixie Youth Championships, the Dizzy Deans, and wherever else. If you're a kid, if you got a kid enrolled in Little League Baseball, not the Little League of Little League Baseball, but the, the, the kids playing baseball, congrats. And, and it's, a, it's a major accomplishment by the kid and the families, as baseball is a huge undertaking by all. If you've ever played it, and especially in today's world with travel ball going on, certainly a great accomplishment to be a winner. When we come back, we're going to bring on a winner. We're going to have Jerry Short stop by with his short stories from Takapola Way. We'll find out all kind of good stuff that Jerry's got up his very short sleeve. That's ahead on the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Whether you brew the craftiest beer or offer the sharpest haircuts in town. We've got the right business cards to promote what makes your business great at Vistaprint. And right now, we're offering 500 custom cards starting at just $9.99. You can choose everything about your card, the shape, the paper, and you can design it yourself or ask for a little help from our support team. So get the most bang for your and head to Vistaprint.com to get 500 business cards starting at $9.99. Use promo code 7373 at checkout. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 7373. 
Hey there, I'm a glue stick, so I have one job. I glue kids stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick. Miss Lydia! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. And the Y'all Show on a Monday rolls on. I'm your host, John Rawl. Joined now by the teller of tales from Takapola Way, Jerry Short. And our short stories feature that we do each week where we give you a good dose of Southern talk and opinion and a little news, maybe a little history and much, much more with Jerry Short. And Jerry, I was talking to a lady the other day, and after hearing you on the Y'all Show with your short stories, she says it's obvious that you have not lived your life on the sidelines. What do you What do you think of that? Yeah, well, no, I think I think they put me in because uh, I don't know why he put me in. I think he felt sorry for me. You talking about God? Oh <laughs> uh, well, no, let's not go that deep. Well, I'm just talking about you. You and your life. If we've as we've learned here on the Y'all Show with your many short stories of all walks of uh, fame and walks of your life and some fun, some, some not so fun. You have not lived a boring life. Uh, if it's been there, I've just about seen it or done. Okay. Well, uh, Jerry wanted to let our audience know that you have lived all over the South during your time. And here in the last couple of months, you've spent some time in a state that you probably haven't spent a lot of time throughout your career. And that is in Missouri. And you've been kind of way out in Missouri, kind of on the Kansas border, the very fringe of the South. Many in the South and the Deep South say, that's Yankee land. Those people don't care about the South. Well, we have you on today's Y'all Show to help educate us on Missouri and what you've discovered during your time in the Show Me State. Well, I guess if I was a history teacher, I'd say, class, get your notebook ready, because uh, we're going to cover some stuff that... uh, I know it hadn't been covered before in this history class, and it really shocked me when I got out here. I'm, I'm, it's a four-county area just south of Kansas City. I've been here for four months, and it's more rebel stuff here than it is in Oxford, Mississippi. And I've never been so shocked. They have murals on the uh, Courthouse Square in Harrisonville of the uh, burning of Harrisonville by the Kansas Jayhawkers, as they did to Oxford. Uh, but in Oxford, I think they even want to take the state flag down. Uh, but out here, they're redoing them, and they've got signs up to donate to the uh, historical preservation funds. And uh, they're showing uh, people like uh, William Contrail, who had the uh, Contrail Raiders, you know, guerrilla fighters for the South. And he had Frank Jesse James in his group and Colt Younger and bunch of people went on to become outlaws after after the uh, situation because they were chased by the Yankee army even after the war. But however, they, that's because they burned all their farmhouses out at this way. 
over an order that was issued. And that order was called the General Order Number 11. And I guess we're almost on the 155th anniversary of that order because uh, it was issued August the 25th. At, yeah, August 25th, I'm pretty sure, of 1863. So that's 155 years. And um, it was issued by the Yankee uh, Brigadier General Thomas Ewing. And uh, it was on the, for the for the three and a half counties that joined the Missouri line south of Kansas City. And they they had a lot of Southern sympathizers here. Even women would uh, be spies for the Southerners here. And uh, uh, Confederate, they called they, they call them scalawags. They, no, they didn't call them scalawags. They had a name for them. Uh, the Yankees did. But they couldn't do anything with them in Quantrell led his raid on Lawrence, Kansas, out of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, out of um, um, Harrisonville. <clears throat> when he left Harrisonville, he went there, and they came to Harrisonville, and one of the uh, Jayhawk uh, regiments came in here and burned Harrisonville to the ground, burned the square and the houses and the buildings that was in town, burned most of them down, and they set up a military post, and that was in 61, right after the war started. But as things progressed, they couldn't control anything in these counties, and they couldn't control the people. So they they issued this uh, they issued this uh, order, this uh, number this eleventh general order, backed by their commander in chief, Mr. Abraham Lincoln, President Abraham Lincoln. Um, and the purpose for it was is it it made sure that all people that lived in the county, you know, the surrounding area, and all that kind of stuff. It lived out there in these three counties. They uh, they gave them, I, I think, something like 15 days to round up all their grain and wheat and corn and whatever they had and bring it into about five towns up and down the uh, state line <clears throat> and turn it over to the uh, uh, Yankee-controlled uh, areas there. So, and if... Uh, then they had to move on. They told them they could move on into Kansas, but they couldn't be. In, they couldn't even stop in a county that joined the Missouri line. So they had convoys and wagon trains going that way with whatever they had left that they could grab up in those few days that they had to get out. So you can understand how mad they were. And look, the Yankees just said they always did. Um, you know, they didn't care if they were sympathizers. <clears throat> or if they were for them, they couldn't figure out any difference. They just point blank, broad brush the whole everybody's home, everybody's farm. And then if you, they give you till that 15 day period, and then they went out and found these farmhouses in these locations and they burned them to the ground. And uh, they did them just like burning in Atlanta, like scorched earth policy. And now this order was issued in 1863, as after that two years. Now, I understand that they uh, they had enough troops that they could have come in here and handled it in combat. But they were scared, uh, as Yankees are without numbers. They were scared during the war period, during the war of northern aggression. They were, they were a little bit hesitant to try to take on anybody. So they wanted the whole area just cleared of people. And uh, that's what they did. And that was so, both the women and children. 
And it probably also included... Yeah, it, no, it was everybody. Included yeah. slaves, too. Not that there were that many in that part of Missouri, but yeah. Missouri was a slave state. So it's bad enough being a slave in 1863, and then you're with a group of people who own you, and you're all evicted. Oh, I know. And, you know, and it was over this long period that they had where the troops, the federal troops, couldn't do anything with the struggle against all the pro-Confederates and uh, the guerrillas. In, in, oh, yeah, they called them Bush, uh, bushwhackers is what they called uh, okay. any Southern sympathizers. That's what the Yankees called them. You know, so they, they said, you know, let's get these bushwhackers out of there with this order. And to get them out, we've got to get everybody out. Well, you can imagine that doesn't set too well with uh, people who have to leave their place. And then when they leave it, the a, a northern army goes out and burns their farmhouses and burns their barns and burns everything. And all the uh, uh, crops that they had put up, they burned it to the they burned it to the ground. And as you said, it, some of which were pro-union people. Oh, hey, you know, they figured it could be half and half. And they still their debt, you know. So, uh is they, you know, they, they just, uh, you know how they treated rural residents everywhere? They did it when they uh, camped in the Oxford area because I had grandparents that uh, they came out. I, ha I had a great-great-great-great-granddaddy that uh, was in the Confederate Army, and he had to come home and send his younger brother. You could exchange, you know, someone for you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he had to come home to defend the farm out from Oxford because these uh, Kansas Jayhawkers, they were coming over there doing the same thing over there that they did here. Now, what has thrown me really is I had not a clue that this went on here. And these people, I don't know if you know this or not, but after the battle of, uh, after Vicksburg surrendered in June, July the 4th of 63, and they did that because uh, they wanted to dang put July the 4th in the Yankees' face. They held out to the end after the siege at Vicksburg. But the city of Vicksburg, Vicksburg, Mississippi, they did not recognize July the 4th until the mid-50s. The holiday was not recognized in Vicksburg, Mississippi, because that's when they had to surrender. And these people out here, they're somewhat still the same way. Uh, even today, you know, Townsend was impacted by that order. You know, they're still less devoted than the neighboring counties. And they, um, well, as a matter of fact, there's a, and I wanted to get into it with you, um, there's a, uh, there was a, uh, a colonel from uh, the town north where I am right now called Pleasant Hill. And uh, he led a cannon brigade. And uh, he had a cannon that he got from the Mexican, uh, Mexican-American Spanish War. And it was made from church bales. Mm-hmm. But he, but he became the leader of a of, of a twelve gun artillery unit, twelve to sixteen. I maybe maybe it was sixteen guns. But anyway, that gun made a different sound on the battlefield, and they say it was because uh, it, it was made from those church bells. Really, it was melted down. But um, he came from here, and his name was a Colonel Hiram uh, Bledsoe, and um, he, um, he he's still honored here. They. As, as as soon, I guess I would say, I noticed on his monument in uh, in Pleasant Hill, they've got a they've got a uh, uh, monument that this was put up in in 1995, and it's got a bust of him on top of it, and it tells his whole history, it tells the battles that he was in, 
Let's see if I can call some of those battles off the top of my head. Iuk, well, I'll call them Mississippi ones. But he carried that cannon, and then he became the cannon over all of it, over a whole regiment of cannons. Cannons. He was at, um, let's see, Iuk, I think, Corinth, and Vicksburg was the Mississippi ones. In Atlanta, Missionary Ridge, maybe. In mm-hmm. uh, Franklin, Tennessee, I know he was there. Because uh, he then backed up Hood. You know, if you know your history, you know Hood and how he had to escape. And, and he become part of the rear guard this uh, Colonel uh, Iron Bledsoe did from right, right here. Right. Um, but he but he had he was chief of artillery, and I think he got wounded like six times. But you know, finally he surrendered. Uh, hmm, must have been around that Atlanta battle stuff because. His cannon was captured, and you may be familiar with this. The town I don't I'm not familiar with. I think it was Hamburg, um, South Carolina. Yes, current day North Augusta, South Carolina, just across the Savannah River from Augusta, Georgia. It's still a town, and it's still yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Dr- driving town, huh? Oh, driving okay. town, yeah. Well, that's where they got his cannon. Okay. And um, I don't know, I don't know how he, you know, but he came back and got a farm. And he ran for public office and got it here. And I went to the graveyard in uh, Pleasant Hill. They burned Pleasant Hill to the ground also. And and it's a town of 8,500 now. And this town here is 10,500 maybe, Harrisonville. Did I mean it also got burned? And um, But up at Pleasant Hill, I went to their cemetery. And they have Confederate flags flying there. And he's... His grave, Bledsoe's grave, is uh, nothing but a um, Confederate monument that uh, the government gave Confederate soldiers mm-hmm. after the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just simply says his name, his regiment, and uh, and what he served in and birthed, and, and that's it. That's, that's just plain as it can be. And there's some really good monuments in that uh, cemetery. But the uh, place for his Confederate flag, and it's a few more, must be family members in that. It's, it's not like a plot, but it's in an area. Um, and again, he's got we're bringing this up on the show today, Jerry, because you have lived mostly in the so-called Deep South in your life. And yeah. you go to a place like Missouri, which we knew had some Civil War history. We're just not really sure about what happened then, but also what's happening now. And the fact that in Missouri, which we said a fringe state in the South, in some ways is more pr- proud of their southern and confederate heritage than a lot of the southern states, it seems, other southern well, states. I found a, another restaurant in today on the far side of uh, Case County, which is one of the main counties that both of these towns that I mentioned are in, and they had, uh, they had framed uh, uh, artist paintings in there of battles, and they shared north and south equally. Really? And yeah, and they'd have like three frame, frame one on the right, and it'd be Confederate battle flags in them. And then have three northern ones on the left. And it said divided county of Cash County. And uh, it's C A S S. And uh, uh, Missouri. And uh, and they still have that. And that's that's that was west of Harrisonville probably two or three miles from the Kansas line. And uh, it was in, in that restaurant, and it, it had a good bit of that stuff, type stuff. And I find that in other other restaurants and places, 
that they have uh, what happened. And then uh, I did a little research into it, and I found out that this this area here, uh, 150 years later, are still very resentful to the way they were treated by the northern soldiers in the war of northern aggression. And this would have to be the very tip top of the northern aggression, I would think. <laughs> well, let's not uh, forget, if you know your history, that even in the years leading up to the Civil War, there was conflict going on between Kansas and Missouri. Bleeding Kansas was the term. So this was an area that was very much in conflict throughout the Civil War years. Yeah. And and it seems like it's still going on there. People have an issue. The Civil War is a very, very complex issue. For people to say yeah. it was only about slavery and that's it, that's just simply not true. You Every war is complicated, or else people wouldn't line up and shoot each other. There's reasons for it, and the Civil War is the most fascinating military conflict, and that's not a compliment. I mean, it was a horrible thing. It was the worst division we've ever seen in our country's history. But unless you take some time, as I have, as Jerry have has in his life, and look into it and find things that you had no idea about, you can find something new about the Civil War every day of the year if you wanted to. And I encourage you to because it happened here. And that's why the Civil War is going to always be in some way, shape, or form talked about on the Y'all Show. We're not going to just forget about it like most media. We're going to talk about the Civil War because, and frankly, Jerry, the Civil War may have happened over 150 years ago, but it impacts our country and our region especially today. Oh, I mean, it's when I was a boy, every high school band played Dixie. Every high school band, majorettes or flag girls had rebel flags. And uh, now it's like that's frowned on so much that I can't believe it's changed that much since that time I was a boy to today. Mm -hmm. And the University of Mississippi, we all know what they've done. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that uh, everybody, if you lived it, you know, I've had people – unfortunately uh and there've been media type people when i did media for sports tell me that uh things will never be any good until people my age are dead and gone <laughs> and they told me that when i'm 60 and 55 really yeah, yeah. so you know i mean that was people that were 30 maybe well jerry once you hurry up and die and then i'll get back to you and tell you if things got better or not yeah, if things got I hope I'm looking down and I can see it better. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to, you can ring me up, but let me see for myself also. Well, we I didn't mean to get off on that tangent. No, today, no, no. We appreciate you sharing about Missouri, the Show Me State. It's a complicated war. It's a complicated state. And the history with Missouri, if you're listening to us in the Show Me State, we hope we've done a pretty good job of kind of briefing people across the nation exactly what has gone on and what continues to go on in Missouri our fringe southern state. And as we go to break, I want to remind people that Major General Sterling Price of Missouri was a Confederate general who I think was the only Confederate general who never surrendered during the Civil War. He actually, Jerry, do you know the story about Sterling Price? Yeah, I don't think he did surrender. I think he was the one that didn't he hightail it out and that he couldn't catch up with him. Yeah, like he made it to yeah. Mexico. Mm-hmm. I thought, didn't he cross it, uh, uh, in te in Texas, a Rio Grande at uh, the pass, uh, Eagle Pass. I don't Eagle know. Pass. I don't know if that was him per se, but he, to my knowledge, was the only. And he was a major general, CSA, that yeah. went into Mexico. He went down there to try to help Mexico out after the Civil War. 
ended up coming back to Missouri before he died shortly after the Civil War. But Sterling yeah. Price, who had been a governor of Missouri prior to the Civil War and also served in Congress and was a general in the U.S. Army prior to the Civil War. That's just one example, that one name, Sterling Price, oh, no, no, that, that shows how complicated and fascinating at the same time the Civil War is in just one state, Missouri. And if you're living in a state like Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, wherever you might be in the South, your state also has unbelievable stories. We're going to switch to the 20th century, the 20th and 21st centuries when we come back from this break with Jerry. And we're going to talk well, about... Well, you, you may lose me if you get that far. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about military, but in a little bit different style with Jerry, as he has served our U.S., not our CS, but our U.S. military. And we'll talk to him about something unique that he took from the military and applied it to his civilian life. That's coming up next as we continue on with Jerry Short on The Y'all Show. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 has arrived at Sprint. For a limited time, get the super-powerful new Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. It's the fastest Note ever, and you can get it on a network built for unlimited. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 is also perfect for gaming. Take your Fortnite skills to a new level with the largest battery ever seen in a Note. Along with a 6.4-inch edge-to-edge infinity screen and stereo speakers, Galaxy Note 9 also features a smarter camera and a mightier S Pen with remote control. Make the switch to Sprint right now and get the Samsung Galaxy Note 9 at 50% off with a Sprint Flex lease. Plus, get annual upgrades with Galaxy Forever. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com slash Samsung, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Note 9, 2083 per month after 2084 per month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires new line and 18-month lease. Early termination results and remaining balance due. Upgrade after 12 lease payments. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes. Requires qualifying plans. Subject to credit. $30 activation fee and restrictions apply. Richard. And a camel baseball can Doors off, aviators on A faded pair of blue jeans He's got a smile like I've never seen Speakers rocking to a country song I'm sorry girls, but I just can't stay Got some better things to do today He just called and said he's on his way Beep, beep Here comes my baby in his Jeep, Jeep We are back on y'all, our final segment of today's show. And this is your host, John Rawl. Glad to be with you as we've gone through our history lesson with Jerry Short in the previous segment. Now let's have some fun with Jerry as we talk all things Southern on the Y'all Show. And Jerry, you served our country, our your state of Mississippi, as a member of the Mississippi National Guard for a long time. And in that, you, from time to time, got to ride in something called a Jeep. Jeeps, of course, really came famous in World War II when they served the GIs fighting in our struggles against Germany and Japan. And you're, you have the connection military-wise with Jeeps. But you also have taken your love of that vehicle, and there's a lot of people that are very, very much fans of jeep i've been a jeep owner in the past it's kind of a cult in some ways jerry talk about your experience with the vehicle jeep well you know it goes back to what i call the old john wayne jeep when he, yeah. he's bigger than the jeep you know and uh i was almost the same way and, and 
in the Mojave Desert, I know one time I, I got frostbitten feet out there because we had blackout and had the top off and everything and got fuel on my feet and stayed out there below freezing at night. So, you know, I love the Jeep and I, I love the sound of the Jeep and I, I just love to get in the Jeep. And so I bought a, uh, when, when Jeeps come out, you know, I think, um, uh, uh, I don't, I don't remember who made them first, but, uh, you know, later on, I think, uh, American Motors made them and, uh, I got a seven, uh, 78 Jeep and I went all over the country and it was just on trips. You know, I didn't use it to drive, you know, a lot because it's still to this day, my son's got it and it don't have, it looks new and it was a CJ5 Renegade and I took it out to snow ski one time and, and when I bought the Jeep, I didn't even want, uh, I didn't even want, I didn't care if I had four wheel drive or not. I just was going to ride around in a Jeep, you know? And, but you had to have four wheel drive and I ain't even looked at it. And I was up in the mountains and it started snowing. And as soon as it started snowing, I hit my brakes and almost slid off of a cliff up above a pike peak. And I still, I know I got stopped right at the edge. So I got my little handbook out and said, go turn those hubs outside, boy, <clears throat> and get that thing going. So I did that. And, then when I kind of got a, on some good ground, I, I got out and unhugged it, hugged it. And as I come down, I was listening to the radio, make a long story short, and I was listening to the uh, uh, Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. And they said, oh, 76 degrees sunshine, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to hit Interstate 25 and go straight south uh, through New Mexico and go straight on in Lou Ross Cruises and into, uh, into El Paso. So I went down off of colorado springs and i come down through there and i hit my brakes and uh i slid and took out a stop sign his old boy hitchhiking down there and for some reason he didn't hitchhike me then he let me ride on down interstate 25 alone so uh i got down there that night and i went on into mexico and you know back in those days they didn't uh this was probably 1979 and uh they didn't check you at all and uh I crossed the border about six or seven times that night and, uh, with a weapon in my, in my console and was never checked. And then you, you got a 50 mile radius to go. And I drove all the way to Chihuahua before it hit me that I was 200 miles deep into Mexico. And, uh, so I turned and I came back out and then I went and came back out at another location at Laredo. But, uh, anyway, uh, a Jeep is fun. It, uh, I took my Jeep to, uh, over by you, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, what is that fine resort over there? Well, where, where I'd like to be in that area one day. I just don't have the digits in my uh-huh. bank account to justify living at Hilton Head Island. Right. Well, they won't, this is back, this is back in like, uh, 80 or so, you know, and, or uh, 79. And me and another friend, we were, we were going to camp at, uh, uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia, and we ended up at instead of Hinesville, Georgia, we went to Washington D.C. and New York in that Jeep and on the Blue Ridge. But we came back down the coast, and we came we went into Hilton Head, and we had a shirt off and blah blah blah. Well, like we a went, couple of rednecks, huh? Yeah, a couple of Mississippi rednecks and uh, Taco Polo stood out all, all over me, I guess. And uh, I'll be doggone the dang guard. He started blowing his whistle, and he come after me. And he said, "Get." that vehicle and y'all off of these grounds <laughs> and uh so we were not allowed into hilton but it was a fun time in a jeep and 
you know, and then count coming back and I'd convoy in that Jeep and, uh, I'd take it everywhere. I used it in the special forces as a, uh, we call it the commander Jeep. And we use it when we played aggressors against the Maryland SF team and we, we chased them around in that blue Jeep. So it's, it, 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 you know, a Jeep can, uh, a Jeep can give you a lot of good memories and a lot of fun memories and, uh, you can have a lot of fun in one. And like I said, my son has that same Jeep today for his son, who's an eighth grader now. And I assume he'll be probably maybe if his mother will let him drive it next year. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody says they'll tilt over. Yeah. But, uh, boy, I've been everywhere in it and I haven't had one tilt over yet. And, but, um, well, that's, uh, a Jeep that's is just a, a really cool vehicle. No matter what type. I mean, even the little Liberties they came out with, I thought were kind of yeah. neat. And, yeah. and I had a, Jerry, you're going to look down at me. I didn't have the big old Wrangler Jeep or whatever the renegade type Jeeps, but I kind of got more of a suburban type feel. I had a Cherokee country back in the 1990s and I love that car. It was so cool to drive. Even yeah. had AM stereo. In, yeah. the, in the Jeep. Now, they had a terrible transmission, and they had a terrible paint job that if you've owned a Jeep, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But still, Yeah, my, a, hood, my hood did the same thing. Yeah. I don't know what in the world they did at their factory with their paint. But anyway, it was still cool to have a Jeep. I'd still like to have a Jeep to play around with now. Now, one reason I'm bringing this up is because you mentioned that on your next vehicle purchase, and by the way, this is not a infomercial for Jeep I think they yeah. should sponsor our show, but right now they're yeah. not. But you are intrigued yeah. by the latest Jeeps that are out there. Yeah, that big Wrangler Jeep, you know, and uh, it, it, it's, it's got as much strength as a pickup. Really? And I've driven a pickup all my life, and, you know, in, the inside of it is just like a car. And have come so far, those have, that uh, Rubicons mm-hmm. and uh, the big uh, the big Wrangler. Um, I'm thinking about when I get home, I probably, I've already told my a dealer that, uh, I want one okay. and, uh, I think I'm probably going to get one. And, uh, uh, if I can get behind the wheel, I may be too big to get behind the wheel, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, that may be why I drive big pickups. But, but anyway, I'm, I think I'm going, I'm going that route because I'm like you said, and I bought one, like you're talking that you had to go snow skiing and took the family snow skiing one time mm-hmm. and uh kept it for about two years and it was a used one when i bought it and when i sold it i got as much as i paid for it and that it paid for that snow skiing trip so it uh they are definitely uh they hold their value i was told that uh the one that i was talking to my dealer about getting uh he said well you know if you want to if you just want to try it and get one it's used they're going to hold their value from for six seven eight years they're going to be about the same price depending on the mileage they have hmm. so uh i think that uh i was that's what i was first going to do just you know get a get one maybe a 2015 or something and make sure it was uh, you know okay that's what i wanted right but he, he said look he didn't tell me to buy a new one which i don't think i will but i think i learned that lesson a long time ago <laughs> Uh, because they depreciate whatever you buy when you drive it off the showroom. But um, anyway, <clears throat> he said that a, a, a 2012 could cost what a 2015 could cost or a 2016, depending on mileage. And they look just alike. 
and that's what's good about a Jeep. You know, they'll they'll look the same for 15 or 20 years. Yeah. So you don't lose anything in uh, riding down the street if you're young and waving at a girl. I'm going to say they're a great car. Great quality is a question mark. Again, you you and I have had problems with them in the past. But, yeah. you know, they don't get a lot of attention compared to Chevy and Ford. They're nowhere on that same level of attention. But they are they are just kind of a cool thing. And I thought we would bring maybe some of our listeners a, a smile talking about Jeeps. Maybe they have their own stories, their own memories of Jeeps. And they maybe okay. can relate to what we said. Jerry, thank you, fellow Jeep owner, even though I don't own one now. But thank you for your Jeep. <laughs> Jeep Jeep memories, and I said Jeep, not cheap. Well, semi. No, they're not cheap. You're right. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what I paid for that '78 uh, when I paid six thousand dollars for it. Oh, what and, a what uh, a bargain! I, they say it's worth ten today. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's true. You know, because people are wanting those old CJ fives, oh. and uh, and this one don't have a scratch on it. So, uh, I guess I gave it to my son. So I guess he got a good deal. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry, thank you. We look forward to getting a report from you next week on the Y'all Show Short Stories with Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Takapola. Thank you so much, John. I'm sorry. I was sitting here thinking about that Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you later. All right. And that'll conclude today's Y'all Show. Thank you to Jerry. Thank you to all of you tuning in on this Monday as we get our week started. Tomorrow on the Y'all Show, we're going to get very academic. Jerry did a good job talking history. Tomorrow... We're going to have a professor emeritus from the University of Georgia, Dr. James C. Cobb. He has written bunches of books about the South and the political climate of the region. And he's going to be our special guest and talk about a recent article he penned for Time Magazine. Dr. James C. Cobb from UGA, our special guest on the Tuesday Y'all. Plus, we'll be talking barbecue with the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue, Matt Herman's on the Tuesday, y'all. So you don't want to miss it. We've got a lot of other great stuff coming up throughout the week, including ACC report on Wednesday, country music report with Precious Harris later this week. We've got Niles Reddick, who is a Southern humorist, is going to help me co-host on Thursday. We're going to talk Gamecocks as Tyler Garrett of the Carolina Crow Line will be on to preview the South Carolina football team of 2018. All of that on this week's y'all. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm John Rawls signing off. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. (sighs) Moving expenses. There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer,
offer. Go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I've never felt more alive. Disclaimer, GEICO cannot guarantee you will feel more alive. You either possess functioning respiratory and circulatory systems, or you do not, or you are a zombie. If you are indeed a brain-starved zombie and you would like to save money on car insurance, the GEICO legal team applaud your excellent life choices, even in your shambling afterlife. But we strongly encourage you to visit GEICO.com or download the GEICO app. Please stay a minimum of 500 feet away from our large and presumably delicious, delicious brains. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.